really big welcome, Greg, to Joy 94.9 and Morning Glory, Wednesday's breakfast show. Hooray. You've been doing Whose Line Is It Anyway for quite a while now. How many years is it that you've been doing it? Um, I started when I was nine years old. This is our 30th year. <laughs> I love that so much. What do you think makes the show so special, Greg? Well, I think it's the uh, unpredictability and, uh, you know, there's a sense of danger that there is, you don't get from other television shows, the idea that we might fail. And uh, I think you can watch it with the, the whole family. You know what I mean? Things must have changed over the last 20 years. Like, how careful do you have to be now just saying things that come off the top of your head with this crazy political correctness gone mad like how does that affect what you guys do oh i don't think the political correctness bothers us too much for me (laughs) political correctness was always a matter of being polite um i think people who are bothered by political correctness are generally nazis and fascists they just want to be able to say awful racist and sexist and homophobic things uh without any fear of reprisal and uh, i've never been that comic so i enjoy a bit of political correctness it keeps people from being the sexist knobs that they want to be yeah cool cool so is there such a thing as something that's off topics or is it kind of just let it all out especially in improv it's hard to jam in your own um, political beliefs although i try to on the show as much as i possibly can i got a couple lines in uh, on the last series about mango mussolini and uh, benito cheeto and whatnot and the tangerine tyrant so <laughs> i am able to wedge it in a little bit but you know you're on a team uh, when you're doing improv especially on telly so you kind of have to go with the flow. Is there something that, like, a phrase that people can yell out that just gets you really excited, like, oh, yeah, here it is again? Like, is there this thing that people repetitively say that you're a big fan of? Uh, well, not really. People shout out all kinds of different things. Um, I mean, you know, if we do, a, we do a bit where we do different movie styles and playwrights, and I appreciate it when people yell something literate. Uh, you know, like, if we ask what your favourite book is, um, we get Fifty Shades of Grey or Harry Potter. I'm always like, yeah. oh, is there anyone here who's over 11 or reads a book with two hands? <laughs> I appreciate it if people have, you know, something passed in eighth grade education. So that's exciting for me if they do. (laughs) What would you say, I mean, you just said Fifty Shades of Grey, but what would you say is like the funniest audience suggestion you've ever had? It's kind of different to measure. I mean, in England, you always get toilet brush and people think that's very clever in England, don't they? Um, And in in America, it's always proctologist, which will give you some insight. Um, (laughs) You know, it's hard to to pin one down. Yeah. Um, Every once in a while, you get something really good, like, Edgar Allan Poe or something like that um, that you can go off of or beat Poet or something. And then then we have a chance to stretch out a little bit and show you that we actually can handle language. Um, (laughs) And uh, we we do have a bit of poetry inside of us. It's not all just knob gags and slapstick, although we're happy to do that as well. (laughs) What's the Aussie go-to for yelling out if the English are talking about toilet brushes and whatnot? What's our thing? You know, it's funny. I haven't done improv in uh, Australia very much. Um, I've done the last several times I've been here, I've done stand-up on my own. So I haven't really asked the audience for anything, so I'm, I'm looking forward to finding that out. Um, you know, I'm hoping we get to make fun of Pauline Hanson. I've been coming here for 20 years, and, uh, and I see she's still around, which is quite disappointing. Yeah, it's uh, uh, remarkable that she's still here. We're trying. She is, she is still around. I feel like every decade she just chooses a different demographic to chase after. Right? You're going up to Brisbane tomorrow. That's Pauline Hanson territory, so you might get yeah. a few takers up there. Yes, how, how enchanting. Go for gold, I <laughs> think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it must be so hard doing improv in that you do a bit and it's kind of like thrown away, like you can't use it again. Do you kind of try and use any of that stuff in your stand-up? Well, I, I do a podcast as well called The Smartest Man in the World. Mm-hmm. And um, 
so I'll, I'll, if I think of something really good in the podcast, I'll try to incorporate it into the stand-up as well. So if you haven't seen the podcast before or heard it, um, it's free on iTunes or, or gregproofs.com. And um, that one I extemporize a lot more. And then that one's mostly all politics and current events and feminism and history and stuff like that. And, you know, we try to be funny, but of course, I don't have to hit joke, joke, joke like I would in my stand-up. Stand-up, you have to be funny every 15 to 30 seconds because that's what stand-up is. And um, the podcast, I have a little more leeway. I can just talk about whatever I like to talk about. And if I come up with something funny in the podcast, I'll try to remember it and put it in my stand-up act. Who of all the people you work with like makes you laugh the most off stage? Well, my wife is the funniest person I know. Yeah, so nice. She makes me laugh the most. But um, the, all the guys I work with make me laugh a lot. I'm in a group with Joel Murray, who's Bill Murray's younger brother, and um, mm-hmm. Jeff Davis, who's on a podcast called Harmontown, and Ryan Stiles. Uh, Colin's dead funny, and uh, of course I'm working with Brad and Colin this week, and they're really funny. And um, I mean, I love lots of Australian comics I've worked with over the years. Hannah Gadsby, I think, is a, yep. a astonishingly great, and um, I, I think she did something that was really important, um, and it, and it really struck a chord in America. And I was really glad to see that. It was very profound. I thought, you know, it also shows the elasticity and the um, the artistry of uh, stand-up. I mean, you know, it's not an art really; it's a craft. But there's a lot of room within it for poetry, and there's a lot of room within it for human feelings. Stand-up never recorded the same kind of respect that um, poetry is, but in a lot of ways, poetry and stand-up are almost completely analogous because it's a spoken word art form that you're doing in front of a group of people um, that possibly don't know you. And so there's not a lot of other crafts that do the same thing that poetry and stand-up do. Um, So I think that being able to um, reach people in that emotional way is a really exciting thing. And to not have to be funny within the context of stand-up is an even more profound statement um, about um, how, you know, uh, comprehensive the, the, the craft can be. I think people are hipper than they were, you know, 20 years ago when I played here in Oz, I think the comedy scene was a lot more not as, uh, as, as we say in America, woke as it is now. And uh, it wasn't as woke in America. When I started in the 80s, it was a very male craft. Yeah. And it was almost all men. And it was a lot more sexist. And over the years, I've seen it develop into a craft that includes different races and uh, sexuality and gender fluidity. And I think that's inconceivably important uh, Mm -hmm. to be represented. Nothing is uh, democratic and nothing is egalitarian and nothing is uh, representative until everyone's represented. And um, as a a privileged cisgendered white male, um, I'm acutely aware of that. And so I I feel like that's what I have to push forward using my privilege all the time is the idea that um, we've heard from guys like me for a really long time yeah yeah (laughs) it's important to hear from everyone i've got to ask you about bob the builder on all those really (laughs) on all of that really great motivational um speaking you were just giving we're now going to go to bob the builder (laughs) (laughs) is that the manliest role you've ever played (laughs) i can't operate a hammer I'm, I'm, I'm such a sissy. I'm. I can't do. My wife is really good. She was in a window display, so she can do. You know, use a drill and hang pictures and stuff like that. And I'm completely useless. I couldn't change a tire. I can't do any of that stuff. I'm a very sensitive artist, and um, so yeah, it was all pretend for me. And then people say, well, you do the voice of Bob the Builder, and I'm doing it right now. This is exactly the voice of Bob the Builder. When I auditioned for it, um, I was doing all these funny voices, and the woman came over the speaker and said, will you do your voice? And I said, are you insinuating that I have a funny cartoon voice? 
And uh, so I did my voice, and she said, oh, perfect, that's exactly what we want. Yeah, nice. You didn't even have to try. And so, uh, yeah, this is, my, um, this is my Bob the Builder voice. I would just go, uh, oh, oh, Ben, her and Gabe, look what you did. You reduced, you reused, and you recycled. Well done. <laughs> uh, yes, it is the most macho role I've ever done because I'm pretty camp. And um, uh, like I said, I, I, couldn't, I actually couldn't nail two boards together. I'm, I'm useless uh, in that regard. So. so, no, he cannot fix this. <laughs> <laughs> no, the truth is, I can't fix it, and no, I can't. <laughs> I was going to get you to come over and um, paint my house, but I'll just throw that idea out. You started doing improv really early, like in your early days in college. Was it always your ambition to perform improv professionally? Was that kind of, did you fall into that, making a career out of it, do you think? I fell into it. I don't think anyone's uh, ambition is to do improv professionally. Uh, we were doing some breakfast telly this morning, and Brad said it. Uh, they asked that same question, and Brad made the point that I think there's about 10 people in the world who make a living doing improv. He said there's more astronauts making a living than there are people doing improv making a living. It's a real specific thing, and we got really lucky, all of us, on Whose Line. Mm. It's not something you can make a living doing very much. And uh, so, no, it wasn't something I ever thought of when I started doing it 40 years ago. Thank you so much, Greg. We have loved chatting to you this morning. You angels. Uh, you're an angel. Um, you're going to be for- performing on Brisbane on the 18th of November through to Thursday, the 22nd of November. You're going to be at the Opera House. That's so exciting, by the way. Oh, my God. You're, I mean, I'm just beside myself. Thanks so much, you guys.